When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new version of the Double Trouble podcast. I'm Oliver Phelps. And I'm James Phelps, and thank you very much for joining us here today uh, during your life of quarantine. Uh, yes, we're all, we're all in quarantine, aren't we, at the moment? We are, so thank you very much for, uh, for letting us in. So we actually had quite a bit of response and people asking us to start this Double Trouble podcast up again. Um, we last did one a couple of years ago, and... It just happened to be that we just got too busy with other things and other productions to carry it on. But now we've got this time, we thought we would heed the call and bring Double Trouble back. Yes, so there's James calling in. We're both doing this on a Zoom call at the moment. So as you can see, we're, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, it's going to be bouncing back and forth. And we've got a guest on this show as well who will be coming into that scene as well. Um, so that's, that explains why we're here. I'm sitting on an amazing beach on Bur one of Birmingham's amazing beaches here in the centre of England. Um, just absolutely stunning. If, you, if you've never been, imagine Barbados. Yes. Yeah, I was looking at that. I can. I mean, I've I've grown up in Birmingham all my life, and I'm trying to figure out where exactly a nice sandy beach is. Because from what I remember, being in the Midlands, I'm pretty sure that the the most water we will get is either by the the reservoir, of the lakes, or the canals. So. Um, yeah. Well, I tell you, I tell you where where I am. You know where. Um, you know where. If you go, if you go down um, the main road. And then you come to, um, let's see, which way did I go? Okay, you're not going to, okay, Oliver, let's, you're not going to fool anyone with this one. So let's crack on. What have you been up to during quarantine this week? Well, like I said, I'm, I'm here on a, an um, amazing beach. Uh, but this week I have been doing my duty, as everyone is supposed to be doing right now. I've been using my one hour a day of going out and trying to go for a run, which is something I'm starting to get back into, a bit of exercise. Um, and also, what, what are your times and distances? Uh, time is irrelevant. It's, a, it's just out going there and dusting off the cobwebs because I haven't been running for a very, very long time. So it's actually quite nice, although I'm realising I'm losing a lot of muscle mass from normally going to the gym. So I'm, I suppose I'm turning into my true form, as in a figure of a, a teen-year-old. <clears throat> yeah, there we go. But luckily, luckily my, my weight is exactly the same, even though I've been doing a lot of cooking and baking lately. And yeah, just enjoying it. Oh, and I've chopped down 16 trees in my back garden. So it's not all boring. I've been doing my exercises. So I've been, I do a 5K every morning. And apart from a Sunday where I do a 10K. Uh, and I've also been keeping up with my um, DDPY, which is like a kind of yoga-y Yes, format. I've been doing a few of those actually. Yeah, yeah so I've, I've, um, I've been doing it for quite a while now, but I tell you what, I have no knee problems. And... Running, I always used to get hip problems, but I haven't got any of those while doing it. So um, I would thoroughly recommend it if anybody would be up for that kind of thing. No, brilliant. Yeah, and we've got to, got to get this in straight away. We're not being paid to say that. No, definitely. I just want people to be fit and healthy. Like whenever I see people wearing knee braces, I used to wear knee braces whenever I'd go hiking, but now I don't need them. So um, yeah, just a bit of friendly, did you know? You also, did you know, by the way, did, did you know? know? Did I know? Okay, what? let me get my um my random facts for the day in already. So, did you know? Past week, it was the fiftieth anniversary of the Apollo thirteen rescue from space, the successful failure, as it was known. Yeah, I did know that. Yes. Anyone that may know to know or not, um, I'm quite a big space geek. So, I thought, what random facts can we find out about the Apollo missions? So, did you know that the Saturn V rocket that they went to the moon on? <clears throat> There's actually the height of two Nelson columns, which is the column in Trafalgar Square in London, height of two of those. And it weighed, get this, 400 elephants is what the weight of it would be. So what's that? Well, that's about two, almost three million kilograms. And that went to the moon, well, at least went into space to then go on to the moon. Anyway, by the way, that's, that's my did you know fact of the day. 
You're going to try and get in now that you've made a Lego version of it, aren't you? I have done a Lego version of it. Yeah. Do you want to show anybody who's watching on the YouTube channel? So what are you going to be making next? Are you going to be making anything else like a a space shuttle or the ISS or or even a Thunderbird 3, something like that next? Thunderbird 3, that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? No, I've already done uh, the the, uh, Saturn V, the Apollo rocket. Uh, I've already built Trafalgar Square um, in Lego. But right now, I'm actually learning Spanish. Hmm. No no hablo español? I I haven't got that far yet. I'm only on the first page. Okay, so that, that, means, that means I don't speak Spanish. Oh, okay. Hmm. So I'm not fluent yet, but I hope to be, because at some point um, this year when it's all over, or next year, I'd love to go to South America. That's somewhere on my list of places to go to. Mm, fantastic. Well, as they say, let's hurry up with this, and let's get in our first guest. So James, Who says that? Hang on, hang on. Who says that? I say it. As, as they say, let's hurry up with this. They, they say that, listen, listen, on, Birmingham, no, no, right, right. on Birmingham's beaches, there was yes, a chap okay. who was walking at least two metres away from me earlier today, and he said, Oliver, as we say, let's hurry up and do this. And I said, you know what? Fantastic. So today, Oliver and I are speaking to a very good friend of ours. She's the British number one tennis player. She has gone very good runs on all four Grand Slams. She even won the Miami Open, which is the fifth Grand Slam, as it were. Very, very good friend of ours, big Harry Potter fan. And you don't even need to know much about sport because she has a great way of describing what's going on right now. So I'm very interested to hear what she wants to do in this period of isolation that we're in at the moment, how she's keeping up her training, what she's looking forward to in the future of the season. I mean, I'm just, I'm just more excited, to be honest, James, to speak into a true female athlete because let's face it, we don't hear enough of people like that. So it's really, I'm really, really excited to hear Joe's points as well. Have you got anything you're particularly looking forward to asking her? Uh, I've got, so I've got three questions, which um, anyone that we have on this, uh, this little pod, this little chat that we do, I've got three questions which I want to ask, which will be your favourite song, your favourite TV show or film, and also your favourite quote. Mm. So I'm very looking forward to hearing all of those. Very, very good. Oh, actually... Do you want to hear a, a really interesting fact? Go on. We've got a competition today. We've got a competition? Wait there. Let me go and get it. Oh, no, Oliver, come back. Your, your, your computer chair on your beach is left on, on show. Oh, I've got sand in my shoes. Oh, dear. There we go. Right. So because we're back on, on Double Trouble, so the lovely chaps over at Nacon, have sent me an amazing controller and they sent me one spare. So I thought it would be nice that if you're watching on the YouTube channel for, for today only, we thought, you know, as you're probably going to subscribe to this, congratulations. And we will pick one random subscriber. At random, the Royal We. Royal, the Royal We. Because we um, didn't know that there was going to be a competition today. Yeah. Well, there you go. I will and, pick one out. And of we random. may have wanted this said controller. Well, you best subscribe then because this Nacon Revolution Unlimited Pro Controller is the very best on the market. So if you want to up your game and maybe even play me over Twitch, we'll see. But they are the absolute bomb. There comes in a lovely box, etc. As I say, I've got one. So we'll get a fresh one all set up. If I can get it off this beach, that is. Right. Well, thank you very much for, uh, for that. If you do want to send it to me, that would be very much obliged well if i were you i'd uh, I'd, I'd subscribe joining us now joe Conte. Oh, hey joe thanks very much for joining us today thank you for having me how's everything going um i guess everything is going as well as it can right now i mean obviously everyone's got a very different uh, reality right now to what they're used to so i think it's just been about adapting to that and making the most out of it i've got uh, two dogs to keep me busy um, and a boyfriend who keeps him busy too. So, you know, still, still cracking on here. <laughs> and how's the new puppy getting on? Oh, the new puppy, uh, he's he's actually brilliant. And you know what's been really great is that Bono, our other dog, the, the older dog, he's like a proper big brother. And you can see the little dog, his name is Gizmo. He's just constantly trying to copy him. And so hopefully toilet training and everything of the like will, you know, happen a lot quicker than it did with Bono. But uh, no, he's been brilliant. Excellent. <laughs> Marvelous, marvelous. Would you say that um, would you say that dogs make perfect uh, tennis uh, ball boys? Um, 
I, well, I think enthusiasm is definitely there. So I don't think they're lacking in, in uh, drive, in, <laughs> in wanting to do well with the ball. However, um, I don't think I'd get the ball off them. So it, it would be a bit of a struggle to you know, keep the match going. I'd probably get time violations constantly because I'm not getting the ball quick enough. Um, but no, for sure, I think anything involving a ball, like even I have a mobility routine where I roll my foot on a ball, it's been a challenge and it's been, uh, I guess, um, quite a battle to get that done. It never has been before until I got dogs. <laughs> <laughs> no, good, good. Um, I'm just going to change this because I'm not actually on holiday. <laughs> I'm learning all new key skills now. Not, not appropriate to the I'm current actually in a, I'm actually in a great room. <laughs> Well, that's so depressing. That. I know, yeah. That's why I had it on. There's, there's loads you can mess about with, though. It's, uh, it's just a bit boring. And reality. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll go to Easter Island or uh, San Francisco. Um, no, I'll stay here. Okay. Enough, enough, enough playtime now. But yeah, as, as James said, Joe, thanks so much for uh, for coming on and being our our first guest on um on this new this new time round of james and i doing um doing our double trouble podcast no it's been I'm a while, really james, isn't it? thank you it has I was, I was trying to think it's been what two years yeah a while a while, a while. at least yeah <laughs> well i'm honored i feel there very honored there to be here <laughs> but no so, so, so we're just we thought we'd um we've got a couple of things to ask you mm-hmm. if uh if that's any help well, it probably does for a, for a podcast. So whatever, whatever people are listening to right now, be it, um, I've spent a lot of time in the garden lately. So okay. they may be doing some gardening or yeah. uh, chasing dogs. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, no gardening. I've got a balcony, so which is currently the, the potty training for Gizmo. So that's kind of our... Uh, yeah, our main, uh, our main contact with our outside space. Otherwise, we just still try to do our walks kind of once, twice a day. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, no gardening here, but plenty of uh, dog walking and dog training, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, great. So is there, is there a, like, in terms of actually keeping up with the, um, like the fitness routine mm. and stuff like that, because obviously it's such a, um, a high burst sport as well, tennis. How do you get to do that at the moment in the current situation? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely not ideal. And obviously for me, training a massive part of it is on court. So for me, being able to be on court is a huge part of what I do. It is technically what I do. Um, and then obviously around that, if I get the opportunity to be in the gym, that's where I do my off-court training. So right now I have neither. So I've tried to make the best of it possible and, and kind of convert the living room space, which is actually what you're looking at behind me. But I strategically put stuff under sofas or in the corner so you maybe can't see it, how it is in its prime. I'll take a photo and I'll, I'll send it to you when it's in action. And, um, yeah, so I've managed to like get to like a bar and some, um, some of the big weights like the 20 kilo, 10 kilo weight. So I've actually got some weights with me and I'm also on my left here, I've got a Watt bike. So I've got things to work with. Definitely not ideal, but I'm, I'm just trying to keep things ticking over and just keep my body at a, at a certain degree of fitness so that when we can go back on court that I can adapt quickly because, that's the thing. If you, if you don't do anything for ages, which I've experimented with before, it feels like a bus hits you when you go back. So I'd rather not feel like I'm about to die for the first five days of going back and just kind of at least feel like I'm still somewhat human when I start getting back into the proper stuff. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, do you think that this will be the first time that a lot of like the players and every, every way, everybody really, especially the players, come back without any injury or at least niggles, which they, you, obviously, you obviously carry throughout the season, but you don't tell anyone about it. You know what? It's, I think definitely, especially with people, even like myself. So I have a knee injury, which I picked up at the beginning of um, the season last year in 2019. So even for me, I've been rehabbing that since I finished my year after actually the US Open last year and was rehabbing it to get started again in Australia and then through the year. And so for me, this is an ongoing process, which hopefully I can just add that much more to nip it in the bud for when we do come back. However, for sure, I think there's definitely some players with some long-term stuff, which will be able to get sorted. However, when you stay out of, um, I guess, full-time competition and even full-time training, there's certain things that come up when you do come back because then it's all about how then we reload the body and we put those stresses back on the body. So 
yes and no, I guess is the answer. Is like I, I definitely think certain things that we probably came into this quarantine period with are going to get sorted, but then new stuff is going to always creep up. And it's just the nature of the sport with just how it's loaded. We, we, we don't really have cycles. We just play <laughs> all year and then have a little bit of an off season. So I think right now, obviously that's going to change as who knows how the schedule is going to be when we, when we get to come back and even next year, how it's going to look. But um, yeah, a bit of both. Hopefully I'll be knee healthy and um, yeah, just hopefully a fit bunny when I come back, but we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, uh, brilliant. So, in terms, like, when you were, when did you find out then that the season was effectively on pause, on a hiatus? Were you, you, you were travelling with you at the time? Yeah. So, I was actually in Mexico, and I was on the plane um, flying to Indian Wells in California, getting ready to compete at um, the Indian Wells tournament. And I literally landed, and I got a phone call saying, "Oh no, it's been cancelled." I'm like, "Huh." <laughs> I just I just got here. <laughs> no, you can't be cancelled. I just got here. Um, so that was a very, very bizarre few days, that's for sure. Um, just to because it's one of those things that you just never think you'd ever experience. Like you you are sometimes at tournaments and you may, maybe you can't play because you get injured and, and you need to pull out, but you never think you are there ready to play. And everyone's there because they cancelled it on the Sunday night and the tournament was actually starting the Monday. Oh, so true. everyone was there. Yeah. Like the, the, the tournament hotel was full of people. Um, and then we're just there and no one really knows how long this was going to last. No one really knew if at that time Miami was going to be cancelled because that was a tournament that was going to come after. And so it was just this really devastatingly uncomfortable limbo phase. And so I think that's probably what even not just for us but I think everyone kind of shook everyone was when it all started happening and it was just not certain what actually what is going to happen it's just things are starting to you can see panic starting to happen everywhere and you can't buy loo roll you can't buy this so you know there was just panic everywhere but then it suddenly started to shut down and 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 then I had to you know we had to wait a few days to see if Miami was going to go ahead and if not and then by the end it would just took the decision to come home and it was a good one because then obviously the borders closed um in the U.S. and and things like that so yeah I mean it's it's definitely been a very very odd thing to to get used to especially at the beginning now it is just what it is and it is for everyone um but yeah I think uh you know, hopefully, I mean, Wimbledon got cancelled, so that was a bit heartbreaking for me personally. Um, but hopefully for now, July 13th is our return. Um, but who knows with everything that's going on, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, it's safe to assume that it, it could be later. <laughs> so what, so I've got, I've, I was thinking as well, because like when we, cause we spoke yesterday on your podcast, mm. which is... Um, that, you guys that... were so good, by the way, it made me feel so good about myself because I'm like, I was so nervous doing that. Uh, well, it's, I, I tell you what, it's a lot easier doing audio because my camera keeps going out of focus. I thought, actually, I'll tell you why. I haven't peeled the sticker off it. <laughs> I'm one of those people, you know, who buys a phone and keeps it on the back of the uh, of the camera for absolutely ages. But don't worry, you can always change your background. <laughs> I can, I can. I might go somewhere, um, yeah, somewhere different. Uh, but no, what I was going to ask was, um, yeah, do you want to talk about your podcast as well you started doing yesterday? Um, oh, I wasn't anticipating that. I can. <laughs> we don't, we don't, we don't have to. I was, I'm, like, I'm not prepared for this oh no <laughs> um but yeah I mean obviously it was we, I was kind of thinking about it with Jackson and actually the idea kind of came to me and just one I like to talk in general and I thought what can I do to kind of well pass the time a little bit in this period because let's face it I'm home all the time I mean I'm, I'm generally going on dog walks with Jackson I guess every second to third day so I'm literally home all the time and so I was thinking outside of my little I guess two two hour training block what can I do to to one maybe give an insight to me a little bit but then also just I guess talk to some really cool people and you guys are very very cool so thank you <laughs> um yeah. and so it was kind of that and and to see if if people might be interested in in listening to that I mean if not at least I've got one fan and that's Jackson I'm sure I can convince my parents to listen to it so at least at least I can convince three people to listen to it I think, um, I think it's, as long as you've got more people listening than there are talking 
You well, win, you? Yeah. Okay, well, at least we're breaking even so far. So all I need <laughs> is one more. And I guess Bono and Gizmo don't count. Or maybe or maybe put them together, they count as one if I put them together. Who knows? Um, and lengthways they do. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was kind of just that idea of, of trying to do something a bit lighthearted, a bit informative. Um, and yeah, and just to, to really put that out there to if people want to listen and... and yeah, like actually, I was more curious of what actually what maybe fans that follow me what they would think of of something like that. And so we'll see once once we put all put it all together and I record a few more um, episodes, we'll unleash it onto the world and <laughs> we can see what response we have. <laughs> Excellent. No, we had a great time on it. Thank you very much for having us. No, you guys yeah. are so good. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so one one question is what I I wanted to ask yesterday was. Because you, you, you spoke, we spoke about it about how you were um, obviously training from quite an early age at tennis. Yeah. What What was it with tennis? Why tennis? Um. So it wasn't. It was never this idea or this master plan from my parents that you know what she's going to be a professional tennis player. We're gonna. We're just yeah. going to carve this out. Um, so it was never that. It was never that vibe. Um, however, tennis was always a little bit part of the family in the sense that mum played when she was younger um, as a club player, as just a social player. My mum's brother, my uncle, actually, he still plays as a competitive social player. I'd say, <laughs> um, and so it was kind of you know part of the family loosely. Um, but what was really important to my parents um, when I was younger is for me to just get a physical education, for me to be involved in sport, um, have a hobby, which would be sport. And it was it literally could have been anything, um, athletics, swimming, honestly, anything. Um, but when we moved back to Australia, so I was born in Australia and we went to Hungary when I was about five, lived there for about maybe a year or so. And then when we moved back to Australia, um, the primary school that I started going to there um they there was a, a kind of a small tennis club really close by and the coaches there picked a group of the kids up and would take them there for after school basically babysitting and give us lessons at the time and so that worked out well because both my parents were working and so that's how I got consistently I guess introduced to the sport and there they said that I had decent you know hand-eye coordination and I wasn't half bad and so I think that just encouraged my parents just to maybe spent like invest a little more in in the development of that just to become you know a decent social player just so I could you know have a rally and, and play club matches and things like that but um until I started playing kind of these weekend competitions um I wasn't that into it apparently um this is what I'm told like I wasn't that bothered I would ask regularly do I have to go um to which they said unless you want to do something else, yeah, you have to go. Um, so, and, you know, it wasn't really, I wasn't really into it. And then I played a competition and then, oh my God. And then, then I was like, literally, I think by the time, so this was about seven, eight. And then by the time I was nine, I was like, yeah, I want to be number one in the world. Apparently I would go up to people and say, hi, my name is Johanna Conta, future number one. So <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't think I was that shy. Um, Were you were you always compet like naturally competitive? Was that the first time that that switch was flicked? Um, I was. I would say I was always quite quite competitive. Um, to this day, I I have seen. I, you know, through tennis, I've really learned how to deal with, I guess, adversity in tennis mm. and struggles in tennis. Mm. And I don't think it's so much transferred to adversity in Bananagrams or adversity in Monopoly. Can I say or, Bananagrams, best game ever invented? Oh my gosh. Like We're not, we're yeah. not being paid to advertise this, but it yeah. is an amazing game. No, no, no. I completely agree. I mean, I've been playing consistently with my team. And actually, so one of my coaches, his name is Dimitri, and he's actually uh, French, um, but lives in Switzerland. And English is not his first language, but he's involved. And he's bloody good, actually. He hasn't, he hasn't won yet, but I'm pretty sure it's in the, it's in the foreseeable future. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I don't think I've really mastered the ability to deal with challenges in board games, which comes back to, yes, I'm very competitive. I made my sister cry when we were younger because I bought on the Monopoly board, I bought the one that she didn't want me to buy. I mean, of course I'm going to buy it if it worked. Like, I mean, what was she thinking? <laughs> Unless there's tears, Monopoly doesn't count, does it really? Well, no, yeah, exactly. Unless, unless there's a serious family fallout, <laughs> it didn't even happen. <laughs> but as you, as you said, but I mean, like being like, um, you said, like not, um, not holding back as it were in tennis in terms of that type of thing. I remember when we went to watch you in, 
I think it, it may be in Nottingham where there was a, a line judge who, oh, sorry, the umpire, I think, the line, no, the line judge didn't give a call, which is clearly wrong. Oh no! And, did I, did I have? I didn't. I didn't have a big called, meltdown. Yeah. Well, no, you didn't have a meltdown, but you called them out on it. I remember we were sat in your with your with your team, and part of me was really wanting to almost go, I suppose, football soccer terrorist. Like, yeah, you don't know what you're on about. <laughs> you know? um, and then I remembered where I was, but it was. I suppose that is. Is it part of that channeling that that frustration into the game as well? But also you know, these people need to be held to account so they don't keep doing it and they it raises their game as well, do you think? Or is it the problem that sometimes at some of the events you've got the the people who are just social tennis people, members at the club who think, yeah, I can I can be a, an umpire or a line a line judge. Yeah. I mean I think I think now at the professional tournaments, I think the the linesmen and definitely the umpires, the chair umpires, they're part of an association. So I think they're actually they have they are employed mm. essentially. I, Definitely the the um, the chair umpires, but I'm pretty sure the line judges as well. Okay. Um, and especially for like big tournaments like the slams, they'll go through rigorous, I guess, retraining or training or whatnot. Um, however, I do I do think this is coming from someone who doesn't lose lose it that much on court, but I have had some spectacular meltdowns, um, which I guess is just part of it. And they have happened. However, I do think that they don't always help because at the end of the day, the, as the line judges, as the, as the chair umpires, they're all there to actually do their best as well. And they are trying to do their best. And I think sometimes when you have a meltdown, I think it can make them a bit more stressed. And depending on how people deal with stress and how well they can then kind of refocus. And, and that's the same for, for, I guess, athletes and everyone who's performing. It can, it can sometimes, I think, make it a bit frosty and maybe not as good and make it just, uh, just unnecessary drama. Um, so while I do think a lot of the time I was in the right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I am not taking full, respons full responsibility for being wrong. I probably will won't look to yeah lose my lose my head that often on court, even if it's no. justified. <laughs> but at least at least it's not like smashing the racket and launching it at them. That that would that would that would be like the next step. Well, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, there's I would say there's you know a little bit in between <laughs> yeah. as well. <laughs> I wouldn't quite <laughs> jump right there. Well, um, that, I remember a few years ago there was a there was a chap who lost a call and booted the advertisement board and his foot went through the board. I knew you were going to think of that. that came the line to my just, mind that's too. probably the funniest thing I think I've ever seen. Just the slow-mo reaction they kept showing of this, this poor old bloke whose foot was bleeding. No, yeah. no, I know. Like, I know. And that, that was actually at Queens. That was at Queens and I'm pretty sure it was the final and it was Nalbandian, David Nalbandian, who's, I think he was Argentinian. Oh, where was he from? Anyway, he was South American and, and he kicked, yeah, he kicked that board. And yeah, he got dis he got disqualified. The thing is, if you hit a if you hit a linesman, uh, someone in the crowd, um, a ball kid, anyone with a ball or your racket, you automatically get get disqualified. So it's not it's not like oh okay you didn't mean it okay yeah. it's fine. It's like no no you're done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're done. <laughs> so well, yeah. No, that, what, not to say that moment, but what would be the the funniest moment that you've had on court? Like it may have been that you've noticed something and it's given you the giggles or someone's projected. Because I remember when we went to see you at the US Open, we were, there were a couple of things which got us giggling. I remember there was someone cheering for your opponent. Do you remember? And they kept, <laughs> oh, you wouldn't but shut I remember, up. Like, no one knew what language they were shouting in, but it was like the last thing you'd hear before play started. Yeah. And also my pal and myself, we noticed, it's one of those things, once you read, uh, you see something once, you can't unsee it. Yeah. Going back to line judges, we saw this, one person who would kind of bend at the hips perfectly and then squat <laughs> it was like a robot going into their routine and when she, that's all i could see before every <laughs> we literally had someone shouting in some language and then this umpire going into this robotic dance yeah you, you know what's interesting though when i'm playing obviously a massive part of it is for me to stay in kind of my space and being able to obviously have a rough awareness of what's going on but i'm very much there however on that occasion what you say i know exactly what you're talking about and it was and it was a russian guy and he'd and he'd go Dubai Kasakina, Russian tiger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was 
Russian queen. Russian queen, that's I remember that specifically because on the same court, um, four years earlier, I remember it so clearly. Um, I was playing against uh, Garbinia Muguruza and I had this American, a real New Yorker, I think. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a New Yorker accent, but it proper every before every single point, well, every single break point, he'd say, come on, Joanna, it's break time. <laughs> every single, and so that has stayed with me because that's, you know, I hear it. So it's not like I block everything out and I can't hear anything. So I hear all this, but it, every so often it does make me chuckle in the match as well. And then now I'm talking, I mean, I'm still talking about five years later almost. So obviously it stayed with me, but yeah, it's more those sorts of things that, kind of come in here Russian yeah. queen <laughs> <laughs> I mean the one the one thing I noticed going with uh, coming over to, uh, last year to watch you at the US Open is the difference in the crowd um, mm. I suppose because America in general they're just into all sport com- competition of any level they're, they're they're behind it aren't they yeah, yeah even just sure. like the mannerisms of the, of the crowd so for argument's sake like in England when they when the ball hits the net and it's a moment will it go over won't it for some reason, everyone <gasps> gasps. Whereas in the States, everyone just stays quiet. Um, you know, the drama isn't, is the ball going to hit the net or not? It, it just yeah. little differences like that. Do you find all around the world have got different tips? Oh, what, 100%. So you can just really see the differences, obviously. I mean, we travel everywhere, but with the slams specifically. Um, I think Australian Open and the US Open have got quite a bit of similarities because like you said, Americans are really into their sport. Australians are very into their sport as well. And and the weather is similar. Like it, it, they're, they're quite, they're kind of on par. I guess the only difference is, is, for example, the US Open is a lot more showbiz entertainment it's like it's just everything's happening at the same time i mean planes are going trains are going music's playing people talking and then we're just there playing kind of as, as like kind of a sideshow so that's like very like full-on australia is very much just into the sport it's like tennis everyone's coming with their face paint everyone's like um aussie 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 or like it's like really um intense sport and then i guess in kind of like with Wimbledon and the French, they're kind of similar. Um, I think the French Open crowd is actually probably one of the toughest. I've never heard they boo, booing. Don't they? Yeah. I, yeah, I've never heard booing in a in a tennis setting until the French Open, and and I, I don't I don't understand it. I don't know why. And I guess it's um, if I were to, if I were to talk to a footballer, they'd be like, "What are you talking about? I mean, booing. We always get booed at like different stages." So, but as a tennis player, I feel like, "Oh no, what did I, did I do something wrong? I'm so sorry." <laughs> so, so you know it's it's definitely not something that is common practice for us so that that's definitely very interesting whereas obviously at Wimbledon no chance of booing I mean 100% no chance but I think also Wimbledon is the air of Wimbledon and the just it's so grand and so proper and so pristine the grass like everything about it it lends itself to then how people are and I guess both Austra- uh, both uh, French and Wimbledon, I think people dress up uh, dress up a bit more for it. Everyone's a bit more pre- like presentable. They're there to, I guess, enjoy what is there, not kind of fully immerse themselves like in the other two. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so they definitely differ. But I mean, it's so good. It's actually we're so lucky in tennis to be able to travel the whole world and experience the same sport with different people and different attitudes towards the sport with like it's I, honestly it's I think we're very very lucky with that so in terms so I was speaking to I remember a, a couple of years ago I was chatting with a guy who works on the PGA tour and mm. he was saying it's literally a machine it's like a carnival it picks up for one place sets up in the next place next place next place yeah um and I noticed it very briefly when we we saw you over here um last year in, in Nottingham and then again in, in Birmingham, how it was pretty much the same setup, just relocated. Yeah. Do you find that sometimes, unless you're obviously when you're at the venue, you, you could be anywhere in the world? Um, yeah, no, I mean, for certain, I mean, like the size of the court is exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> the height of the net is exactly the same. I mean, I guess what is maybe a little different for us than compared to golf is we have a change of surface. Now, I'm probably not the most knowledgeable 
person on sport and golf, much to um, one of my coaches has been really upset about that, but um, I don't think golf has that much variance. Their courses are different, right? But the actual grass is cut the same and the sand's the same, right? It's, so it's like the same kind yeah. of... Yeah, other, I mean, the, the blades of grass can be different and the altitude can be different. Oh, okay. But it's not like playing on grass. So you're wrong. Yeah, you're wrong. wrong. So... <laughs> I, hear, I hear what you're saying, but it's wrong. No. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, no, I understand it. But I mean, the difference, though, from playing on a hard court to clay, for example, that is literally yeah. cheese, isn't it? Well, no, exactly. So we, we definitely have a lot of change of surfaces. So in that sense, it's not so much just the same in week in week out and also for us we have we have a slight variance in maybe the playing field as well to, depending on the tournament sometimes we have more than one tournament in the same week so obviously the big tournaments or the big players will play and so that will be a traveling carnival essentially um but i guess i've never i've never felt like it's the same thing week in week out just because of of the amount of difference i don't know yeah, just the surfaces, the, yeah, I never thought of it like that. Maybe, maybe just, I'm, da, 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 maybe I'm <laughs> just a globe trotter. You're fully immersed. What's, so in, when you're uh, traveling and everything, what's the, what'd be your, if you got to, you've got to go to the tournament in the daytime, what'd be your routine if you have one? So kind of the day, like the day routine, if I'm going to play a match at the tournament. So, yep. um, well, so, I mean, I guess you always take it from when the match is scheduled. So let's say I'm scheduled first match at 12 o'clock or literally at any time, really. We always take when the match is scheduled, then we kind of work our way back. So I usually um, have my my physical match warm up uh, right before the match. Um, and that's kind of how I just get prepared for that. But before that, I have a routine of, of making sure I've fueled well, making sure I've... Um, I've rested well enough. Um, I've gotten changed, gotten ready in my match kit. And then before that, I've done a, um, a tennis warm up. And then before that, I've done a physical warm up for that tennis warm up. And then um, basically, then before that, it just depends how much, I how much time we have when, uh, when I have to get up. When, um, then that affects when I go to bed the night before. So it's kind of all just catered around when my match is. And that's kind of how we schedule the day. Um, so for example, when there's night matches, um, I'll generally actually wake up and do a little bit of activity, some sort of just to get a little bit of a sweat on or something in the morning just to wake up my body. Um, because one thing that I, I found that if I don't do anything just until that kind of lead up process to the match, I'm a bit groggy. So it, these are the things you kind of learn with time and how best to make sure you're rested but energize at the same time to be able to compete um the best you can so yeah it it kind of i mean it, it's literally the same thing but it's not at, always at the same time <laughs> yeah sure so is it like so like you say you work back so do you say i've got uh, i don't know 90 minutes two hours before your match that's when you'll you'll eat or something like that or yeah no for sure and then i guess the only thing that differs is like if i'm first match on at 11 a.m it's quite easy i wake up on time i have breakfast I then go to the court, do my kind of physical warm up on court, get off, probably have a banana. Then I'll probably shower, change, um, probably play a bit of banana grounds if I have the time for like just one quick grain, you know, just to beat everyone and feel good about myself when I go yep. on court. Don't ask what happens if I lose. I mean, <laughs> I can still go on court, I just need five minutes. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then basically as we get closer to the match time, we'll do kind of like a 10, 15 minute warm up kind of then the last kind of minute of going through my thoughts for the match and, and um, making sure things are clear about maybe my opponent, things I might expect or, or just even if it's just about being adaptable, being open because we don't actually know or what to expect. Um, and then, yeah, and then it's, it's showtime, <laughs> essentially. Very good. No, it's, it's, it, it always, it's always quite funny because there's like compare, I suppose like what is, um like in acting for example like a normal day can depend on again what time you're filming mm. so in like a in what you do it depends on what time of match you're you know if it's an evening match say it's a slam for example you're playing in like the prime time slot or something yeah um but then like so normally like a filming you'd be i don't know you get there in the morning 
obviously, uh, have a bite to eat. And then you'd normally, then it's a lot of waiting around. So you don't know when you're going. You know, sometimes if you're on a big production, like certainly there's quite a few times on Potter um, when we didn't know what time we'd be going to set, but you're still ready to go. Yeah. Is that like that on some of the other tournaments where you play? No, for sure. Because obviously we don't always have a set time on when we know we're going to play. So in that sense, it's actually quite good sometimes when you're first on because you know your starting time. However, usually the way the scheduling is, unless you're first on or you're the first night match, as you said, like the prime time slot, which is maybe 7 p.m., you don't really know. It's usually followed by. So then it's like, how long is a match? How long is a piece of string? So, you know, we kind of have a rough gauge usually, um, especially in, let's say, a uh, like a a normal tournament outside of the slams where when we follow the men, they're best of five. But usually kind of a a normal tournament, or even if it's mixed men and women, a match is roughly 90 minutes, Mm. roughly. Now you can have super short ones or you can have absolute marathons. And so that's how you kind of judge when to warm up as well. So for example, if I'm I'm scheduled third after, or let's say fourth after 11 o'clock and the matches start at 11, then I usually kind of try and judge it in 90 minute slots for roughly when I'll go on and that's what I'll work off. Obviously trying to stay a little bit adaptable because someone could pull out, it could be three quick, quick matches. And so, you know, you you stand on your toes. (laughs) So when you're like, when you're, you're done um, after a day's play, I know when we saw you in New York, we got to go out for a meal with you guys and everything. Is that a rarity or do you get to hang out in the evening to see the cities that you're in? Um, I think definitely as I've gotten older, I've made that, I've made more of more of an effort to do that. I think when I was younger, I was a lot more closed off and I was a lot more, um, right, I need to be doing this, doing this. Um, I need to eat the same thing or I need to, I was a lot more rigid and a lot more, I guess, superstitious in that or just set in routine. Um, as I've gotten older, I definitely, um, feel like I've I've kind of branched out and let myself enjoy what I do more and, and really um, experience it more, um, practice being grateful for it because there's a lot I can be grateful for with what I do. And so through that um, and the fact that I absolutely love food, I visit, visit a lot of different restaurants um, and I kind of explore the cities more then. And I think actually through that practice, I've looked more. I've looked forward more to the travel part of what I do because I actually, for me, traveling hasn't been, and I don't think ever will be, my favorite part of what I do. For me, it's competing. That's that's what I love, and and travel has been more of the tricky side. But I think because I've started to open myself up to enjoying the places, discovering the places a bit more that I go to, I actually have this sense of not going home but I feel like oh I know where I'm going going I know the restaurants I like I know and then I usually try to add a few more on each time I go back so I think that's kind of helped with the whole travel aspect for me as well mm-hmm. <laughs> no it definitely makes it better I think as you say if you go somewhere what you what you're familiar with it yeah can, as well because otherwise if you if you if you were to stay in a bubble of such competitiveness or focus for four or five days, however long you're, you're there for. Um, I mean, how long normally do you get there before a tournament? Well, it depends on where you go. Obviously, when we go to Australia, we have to get there a bit earlier than anywhere else, really, just because of how far it is and, and the adjustment period from jet lag, but also the conditions. I usually come from Europe, where it's cold, to Australia, where it's baking hot. <laughs> so there's, I usually that's about a good five to seven days of, of a, yeah, of kind of, getting there pre-tournament everywhere else um i think it's anywhere between one day to if it's in europe to to maybe four four days four days prior if it's we're going kind of to the west coast of the us or or even just the us in general um but uh yeah i lost i lost track there (laughs) i was like no i was i was leading into something like oh no i lost it i lost it (laughs) It was nearly a very good save. It was nearly. <laughs> yeah. But, then, but I mean, in terms of times, like when you get to go somewhere uh, with a tournament and you can tie other stuff up to it. So I remember when you were in Miami a couple of years ago and you, you sent me a message saying, any chance at Universal? Um, yeah. Best, I remember, I remember best speaking... day of my life. <laughs> no, no joke. Like, I'm not even ashamed to admit, probably the best day of my life. <laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> no, I know. No, I know. No. 
because uh, you're 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 a big um, Potter fan, aren't you? Oh, massive! Like, I mean, to to this day, I'll watch the films kind of every year, kind of in the October region when it's starting to get cold, and it's that kind of it's just that really cozy vibe. One, yeah, no, absolutely love it. Jackson and I, my boyfriend, we watch it literally every year, even before he was around. I'd watch it every year, so it's not <laughs> it's not tied to him. Um, but yeah, no, I absolutely love the films. I, you know what? I'm just I'm one of those people that I'm roughly your age, but I'm definitely kind of roughly all the characters' ages. I'm like kind of that age group, so I grew up with it. I remember when when the films came out. I was in Australia, and I was the first film came out. I must have been ten or eleven, I think roughly. Yeah, but it would be about that. Yeah. Yeah, and so literally it kind of went through the whole period. And I remember when the last one came out, I was about, what, 19 or so? Mm -hmm. Something like that, 19, 20. So it was like literally my childhood. And so I keep reliving my childhood kind of every year or so around October. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, no, I am one of those people that just wishes, wishes that it's real. Like I wish Hogwarts real. I don't care that I didn't get my letter. It's fine. I am happy to be a muggle, but please be real. <laughs> like it's one of those people. <laughs> it's, um, I don't know. If, I don't know. Not much. Not much to add to that, is there? Really? Not really. No. No. I was trying to think. I was trying to work out how. Um, how like. Uh, how... Can you break it to me softly that it's not real? I know. Well, I'll leave that to Jane. There's a, there a story about two people who tried to run through the platform at King's Cross. Oh no! And in fact, they obviously they went straight into the wall. <laughs> and so the story—I don't know how true this is—but I have heard it a few times. So the story goes: these people tried to sue the state King's Cross to say there was no sign there. No. This is what I've heard, and apparently the reply from the station was, "Well, you're you're not a wizard, so it wouldn't work." How no. true that is? I don't. I want to believe. But see, I want to believe that's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess for you, it's so different with with the whole whole Harry Potter world just because you guys literally lived it so you see every nook and cranny kind of everything that went into it so I guess for you it's the magic isn't there for like someone like me who just watched the final result and just just can't see how it cannot be real it's on tv it's real obviously like, <laughs> like, <laughs> it, is, it is quite funny going to um like normally around you know uh in a traditional year anyway not necessarily at the moment but normally around you know uh, June, July time, um, or maybe even a bit earlier, you get a lot of people who are sitting their exams, sending us messages on social media saying, you know, any any chance you can fly in and help me out on this on this, <laughs> uh, on this exam? Which I think I'm more likely the type of person who, when I was doing my exams, I would literally not be wishing for it to happen, but actually daydreaming of it happening yeah. um, while in an exam, which probably tells you how I did in my exams to begin with. Um, <laughs> But just that type of thing. So you can, it's, it's, it's amazing how it's now relatable. And if you think those guys who were, who were messaging us and talking about that, they were probably barely born when the first film came out. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty incredible. I mean, we started filming 20 years ago later this year. Yeah. Is, yeah way that's, too a, that's, a, that's an impressive anniversary. I guess for most parents obviously say they see their children, they see their ages in their children, but you also have the added seeing your age in the films so it's you'll have a constant reminder of how old you are because of each anniversary that the harry potter films will accrue throughout the year so it's not just your children <laughs> it's the films <laughs> i said it before it's always depressing i think whenever i see myself especially in the first movie because my voice is that high i can't even <laughs> pretend that it wasn't you know what that's actually one thing that that must be difficult for for i guess children growing up is is to grow up in under such a magnifying glass because I mean being a teenager and growing up it's uncomfortable for everyone it's it's not it's not really I guess always that good so to actually see that happen and for it to be like public record <laughs> is, is it's it's quite daunting I mean you know I think that's quite scary actually <laughs> I don't think of it like that but no, I'm, really, I'm, <laughs> no. I'm really glad I didn't think of it at the time <laughs> No, it's been um, no. It was definitely a learning curve, especially when doing that, when doing that process. But what made what made it quite cool is having other interests outside of, outside of the filming side of it, which is quite. I think that's why James and I got quite into, whilst not being able to do the sport, be it because it's a um, a 
a contact sport, so we couldn't play football, cricket, even yeah. basketball, stuff like that. We weren't able to play. Yeah, to um, protect this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then other things stopped us playing sports like, you know, tennis, notably talent. Um, <laughs> we, um, as, you, as you saw when you kindly invited us to, uh, to have a, a knock on the, 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 uh, the hardcore. I was, I was very impressed. No, you weren't. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say about what. I didn't say about what specifically, yeah. but I was impressed. Um, I mean, a, a little thing, a little, um, I suppose, a, uh, an admission that we should make, James, on the way there, because we didn't actually, we dug out one racket. And obviously, you got to wear whites and stuff. We stopped off at a Sports Direct, which uh, for those of you listening who are not sure what that is, what would you compare it to, James, in other parts of the world? It's like a... A non-stop shop for any kind of sport. sport. Yeah. Like and, sporting goods isn't in the US, isn't it? It's a bit of a lesser... Yeah, a lesser dip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we literally stopped off probably about a mile outside of, of Wimbledon to get brand new shorts, shirts, a racket. And naively, we bought some balls as well because we didn't think that the England Did you? State, Well, for some naive reason, we thought you've got to bring your own set of Dunlop balls. <laughs> so, so oh, I didn't even know that. I didn't yeah. even know that you guys bought balls. <laughs> I know. It, it's embarrassing, really. And then you, then you get there and you remember, oh, yeah, yeah, it's the home of tennis. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there are capable balls here. <laughs> Well, you know what, that, I mean, that's just being prepared. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I do think it's really funny that, didn't you borrow one of my rackets though? Uh, maybe, I think, I think my wife may have done as well. Cause she. Because I feel like maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought, I thought I did give out some rackets, but who knows, I mean, did. it didn't help much, did it? So, I mean. No, well, it didn't help the guy standing on the balcony who got. <laughs> he got peppered. <laughs> he got peppered. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, that is, that's probably actually how I felt. I think when I went to, uh, Harry Potter world, um, in Orlando, you know, you really got prepared. I, I went there, I bought a wand, not just the normal wand, the interactive wand. I got home and I'm like, why did I buy this? <laughs> why did I buy this? Like, and I actually kept it for years until I gave it to, um, the son of a friend of mine who is over the moon because he was just introduced to Harry Potter and, and, it, and it, honestly, it was the cutest thing I've ever seen. Like his, his whole demeanor, like his face lit up, like, oh my God, I have a wand. <laughs> like it was like, <gasps> and so that is okay. At the time I was 27 years old, not okay. I'm, get, I'm buying an interactive wand, which I can only use there, which I actually didn't even use there. I just got it because I was like overwhelmed with emotion. <laughs> we, well, we've, we've been lucky enough to have gone there quite a few times. And whenever you're in the wizarding world, you see people a lot older than, than you were then <laughs> buying everything. And we've seen very, uh, quite well, very famous people buying everything <laughs> themselves out, forgetting about their kids. It's all about them. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah age, age does not matter there, I believe. No. no. And did, no. You, did you do the wand, um, the wand experience as well, Joe? Well, you'd think that because I got the interactive wand to do the experiences, yeah. but then I didn't. So I just, <laughs> I just remember being going on that wand tour. But so going into what's, it, what's the place called again? Olivander. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Quick, quick. I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just remember going in and we were in, kind of in in that kind of group like tour bit, and then you have. Um, the person doing the thing with the okay I, i'm a big fan but obviously not big enough but you know what i'm talking about they present like the kid goes forward or they choose a kid to go forward and then the one chooses them and it was these two kids um a boy and a younger girl and the they chose the younger girl and you could see the brother kind of like push the girl forward like go. <laughs> and the girl's like so like like stressed and I'm there thinking oh I wish it was me yeah and I'm thinking oh no what's wrong with you that's like a six-year-old yeah. girl like do, like what are you doing Taking away that <laughs> like like you said age does not matter when you go into that world everyone is the same age when they first came into contact with it, or even just the age of the characters I think like everyone's just that age um but yeah so yeah, I mean, I don't have the wand anymore. If I did, I'd probably hold it now, but yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's weird because places like that actually do that. Because I remember somebody else on this uh, on this call right now who went to the Simpsons area and bought this huge donut, which was like it was so massive. I, uh, yes. All right. So, so it wasn't me. Just it wasn't you. Just eliminate. <laughs> what you are to what you are to Potter, I am to the Simpsons, essentially. Okay. So the first time we went to um, Universal, on whilst we were doing stuff at the Wizarding World, they said you've got. I don't know, a couple of hours off. You've got five minutes, so you just yeah. sort of sprinted. <laughs> what would you like to do? So we, I went straight to Springfield and basically bought a donut, edible donut the size of my head. I don't Did you know. eat it? Oh, yeah. Did you feel sick? Um, I didn't feel great because I don't <laughs> think you're supposed to eat it all in one go, but it was definitely worth it. <laughs> I'm pretty uh, sure it's for a family of six, isn't it, as well? It's, like, this, <laughs> thing is, this thing is huge. Um, <laughs> This was before my calorie counting days, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why now I have to count my calories. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yes, the, difference just... is, the difference is you guys were on the Potter films. I had nothing to do with The Simpsons, you see. So, you know, I can't, really, I can't really say that you're welcome, whereas I can say thank you to you guys quite literally. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I suppose, like you said, like when you go to different places, with work you can tie that in and I suppose you can tie that in with whatever walk of life you do that when you are able to travel around obviously at the moment it's a bit different um is that is that looking forward to it so if you could you asked us a really good question yesterday so I'm going to throw it back on you oh I'm ready um regardless of how you could get say for example you had a port key and you could get there tomorrow oh love it yes I'm ready okay (laughs) where and everything's everything's back to normal okay where would it be to go to I only get one. Um, Top three. uh, Yeah, yeah, you can have three. three. Have three. Number one, I'd probably go to Australia. I'd probably go visit my sister and my nephews. So they're in Sydney. Um, And yeah, like, I mean, my my youngest nephew, he just turned, well, they celebrated his birthday yesterday, but he turns two in a few days. But at that age, apparently they have no idea. So my sister duped him. So... (laughs) It's on record now, so he'll know this in a few years. Um, but yeah, so I'd probably go visit them. And second one, I'd say probably somewhere up in Scotland. So um, Jackson and I, we went on this incredible just holiday um, up to um, north of Inverness, up in the Highlands. And I'd love to go back, um, just different, different parts of there. That's, that's one place I really want to go back to. And then probably third one, probably New York. Um, I had such a good time last year and I, I discovered more restaurants than any other time. So I'm like, re- I was like, I'd be really gutted if, we, if the US Open got cancelled this year. I'd be really gutted, obviously because I miss playing, but I really <laughs> want to go to these restaurants. <laughs> so um, yeah, those probably three places. Right, brilliant. Right, good. good. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're actually, we're actually, actually, maybe your, um, maybe your family should come to our show, James, when we're in Australia. What, my family? No, not your family. Joe's family. <laughs> <laughs> I know your family. Your family. I know my family, come. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, James and I were supposed to be in Australia at the moment, actually. But, I uh, mean, my my sister might wee herself, so she might like she might maybe. have a breakdown. Yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll put her at the back then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, but my nephews are like the two, well, two now, and um, Oliver, the the older one, he turns great name. He turns he turns four in October. Okay, so like <laughs> trust trust yourself. <laughs> There's a time zone difference. That's the, that's what it is. Yeah, exactly. That's it. <laughs> then no. go by all the good places to eat and everything. So, other things you've done, Great British Bake Off. Yes. Was that as amazing as it looked? And I, I know I missed you after, but I genuinely think you were robbed in that. I mean, I really appreciate you saying that. And I had a few people message me saying, oh, you were robbed. And I'm thinking, well, was I? No, <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> um, honestly, hands down, one of the best experiences I've done. Um, also, generally, you know, anything involving food for me is a pretty good experience in general. Um, but just the way the whole thing ran. And I mean, it was the two longest days of filming I've ever done in my life. So I'm not used to film like being in hair and makeup at like 
was at 6 a.m. and then finishing at 6 p.m. So I've never done like a 12 hour kind of filming. Like that, for me, that was like, oh my God, this is exhausting. And so, but it was incredible. It was one of those things that it just, it was so immersive. And then we, we filmed it, I think on the Thursday, Friday, and we got to Saturday. And I remember Saturday afternoon thinking, did that even happen? Like, it felt like it didn't even happen. Um, but all the, all the other contestants and everybody on there was just so brilliant. And obviously the cause that we were doing for, I mean, just the, how everything that can do for Stand Up To Cancer, I mean, it was just amazing. Um, but I'm not gonna lie, I had a mini meltdown on the second day of filming, which is when we did the showstopper, because I got really gutted that everyone else in the tent was so freaking good. And I really was like, well, I thought I was decent, but obviously not because what was, what was, what was interesting was that out of, out of the other three contestants, two of them are like proper artists. Like the, one of them was in fashion and the other one is an actress. And, but like, she's also like a sculptor, like she does sculpting. And so the visuals on their creations were like a joke. And I felt like, I felt like I was showing up to like a five-year-old's birthday party. So, you know, I, I just, I just felt so, so kind of like deflated. And I remember eating like this roll candy, this like sherbetty roll candy, which was meant to go on the dog that I baked. And I was like, nah, I mean, I'm, I'm losing anyway. I'm, I'm a real sore loser. I'm like, I'm losing anyway. I suck. I'm not gonna be <laughs> so I had a little bit of a moment, which I don't think they put in, <laughs> which is fine by me. Um, but then, you know what? I was like, you know what? I actually let's remember why we're here. We're here for a good cause. Let's not make this about winning. Yeah. Um, mm. That was a little bit about winning, but let's not. You know, it's a, bit, it's a very diplomatic answer that Joe. That I know. I know. I thought I should save it there because, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, but honestly, when I, when I took up my showstopper, the, the leaning tower of sausage dog cake thing. Um, and Paul said like, this is really good. I was like, I was like, you're joking, right? <laughs> like, did everyone hear that? I was like, am, am I, am, is this real? <laughs> Pitch me. Um, but yeah, no, that was a really good moment that both of them actually enjoyed the taste of it. And then obviously seeing it air on TV and then seeing them, the judges discussing it um, and like saying, oh, it's close. I'm like, oh, it was close. <laughs> like, I mean, to be fair, Paul did say, well, like at the end when we were hugging and like everyone was hugging, saying goodbye, he's like, it was, it was close. And I'm like, yeah, thanks for saying that. But no, it was actually close. <laughs> yeah, you should, you should definitely have that um, written in some type of nice text and put it on your kitchen. Yeah. On the side. There. Was close to being first one time on Bake Off. Yeah, any time on Bake Off. <laughs> um, Almost one. Participation it's always, award. It's always dangerous <laughs> watching a season, though, because you always get it. You always get somebody in the household saying, we should we need we need an oven like that. We need a mixer like that. It's yeah. It's one of those. Although I've got to admit, I did buy a mixer since the start of this quarantine, and I've been making, been experimenting making pizza and breads and cakes and trying to keep healthy with it. Which now I'm offering yeah. that to neighbours and things like that. So it's but yeah. It's that, that, so that's the thing with baking is I I actually cook a lot more than I bake now because baking is tricky because you it's hard to do like half a cake or half of this or like half of that because obviously the quantities and the way you make it and and everything so especially now if if you bake it you eat it and I'm thinking well I'd rather not bake it and have to eat it because otherwise I'm just eating cake and I'm eating like biscuits and I'm eating cookies I actually make cookies some really good cookies but then you know I kind of to throw a few away because I'm like I can't eat this otherwise I'm going to roll out of quarantine like I just <laughs> like I need to up my training to like all day <laughs> so you know it's just not 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 good <laughs> no no really good really good cool well I don't want to take any more of your time of jokes it's been a really really good fun James have you got any more any last points one thing I wanted to do was uh if I could ask so if we interview other guys as well I'd like to ask them the same Three questions. Okay. So, Joe, if you could be the first one, well, I should have given you some prep on this, but I only. Is it is a quick fire? Do I have to be like? No, it'd be quick fire, but there should be answers which you already know. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, what is your favorite song? <laughs> I'm like probably getting you can see <laughs> yeah. my, my yeah. body language, and I'm like leaning in. <laughs> like question time. You turn into mastermind. Yeah. yeah. All right, Joe. So we're going to ask everybody the same three questions whenever they do this podcast. So, first one to you would be, 
What is your favourite song? Sweetest Thing by Van Morrison. And what is your favourite film? Is this a trick question? No. Okay. <laughs> but, but there is a right answer. So. But there is. <laughs> Harry Potter 1 through 7. Or 1 through 8. How many films were there? Eight. Eight. Yeah, one through eight. We'll give you that. We'll give you that. And out of any, out of any TV show or film. Yes. What is your favourite quote from any any kind of uh, genre or TV film, anything that you watch? What would be a quote that you... Well, probably my most memorable quote is, nobody puts baby in the corner. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you say to yourself sometimes in a match? Yeah. <laughs> nobody puts yeah. baby in the corner. <laughs> Excellent. Very good answers. Very good. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much, Joe, for uh, for joining us on our uh, on our on our first back to it with uh, with our double trouble podcast. And uh, yeah, all the best. And Thank we'll uh, we'll catch up soon. Hopefully, when everything's uh, all settled down, and we'll hopefully we'll be able to go to New York and watch you again. Perfect. No, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Cheers, Joe. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> So thanks so much for watching, guys, and listening as well, if you're listening to this while on the move. We really, really hope you enjoyed it. It's great to be back, and we'll be doing more of these as and when. We're still trying to work out a schedule as to when's best to be able to get to it, but it's been really nice to hear that you guys have got an appetite for it again. So they will be coming in on our YouTube channel, and also they will be coming wherever you get your podcast from. And if it's not wherever you find your podcast, Please Google it and there you will find it then. I hope everybody is staying safe and well during this very crazy time around the world. Like Oliver probably said, we're actually meant to be in Australia at the moment, but that's been put on hold for the time being, but hopefully we'll be heading down under when all this is said and done. Until then, we're staying at home and actually quite enjoying being just around my wife and my dog at the moment, having a lot of fun times and um, getting back into gardening again. Very, very fun stuff. Oliver, what have you been up to? I've been cooking, I've been running, and luckily, I've had a golf room built in my house, which has come at the perfect time, so I've been practicing a bit of golf. Actually, if you look on the YouTube channel, I'll give a little demonstration of the room, because I'm very, very proud of it. You know, if your golf game's rubbish by the end of this, you should just give it up. Could do, or I could use the four-metre by three-metre screen to keep playing on the PlayStation as well. Hmm. Every cloud. Actually, do you want a game of FIFA soon? Uh, no, because I'd only win. Well, there we go. Does, it, 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 does that? Does that? Maybe you should hold on to that controller because you are known to be uh, launching a controller around the house. Well, no, that's why I want to get rid of it because I don't want to do it any damage. So, going back to what we said earlier, guys, whoever subscribes, we're going to be giving away uh, to very one lucky random person chosen at total random um, a brand new controller. So, look out for that because, as I say, they're really, really useful, especially at the moment when we're all staying inside and probably playing a bit more video games than we have done for a long, long time. Yeah. Guys, thank you very much for joining us. All the best and we'll see you next time. Stay safe. Keep well. Bye. See ya.